Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome to Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast where we take a look at, honestly, all aspects of The Simpsons, why it's great, the cultural impact. You get it by now. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You just might have seen my Simpsons collection on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not pick up your phone or if you're already holding your phone just go to one of those things and type it in and uh, check it out and let me know what you think this week's episode is with john contino john is a designer that's worked on stuff for hulu nike the nfl you name it john has probably worked on it and he also loves the simpsons so without any more babbling from me we're gonna start it and i just want to say thanks to you all for listening Episode 25. Let's go. Zoom, Zoom, like people made a big deal out of Zoom for the, for the like 2020 and shit, but it's like, it's like secretly a really, really sick app. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's honestly, I pay for like the, like the extended minutes for like group calls and stuff. And I keep meaning to change it, but it's like, you know what? I get on there with my friends sometimes so yeah. i just fucking keep paying for the shit zoom yeah, zoom's yeah. Not enough for me i'll throw him a few bucks you know um <laughs> well you know we might as well go ahead and just jump in because we're recording yeah, so why not just do it. do it um my, my first question that i ask everybody john is how are you because you know 2020 fucking sucked and uh 2021 is not exactly you know kicking ass yet so how are you it's a sincere sincere question right now i will say um I'm I'm okay, mostly because I've spent like the last decade plus of my life living a pretty mm, isolated lifestyle. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just fell right into this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean that's uh, the, if you're if you're geared for it already, then that's just a plus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it. You know, like uh, I, I've had businesses and stuff and different studios or whatever, and then. When I went back to freelancing and then eventually when I started the studio again, I started my studio just like with all remote partners. So this is just how we've operated for years now. So it's just like it's pretty normal for me for the most part, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean and, – and that's – you know, I actually – when people ask me the same question, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the screen printing industry. So yeah. I am sort of used to just, you know, having a small team and not having to have like a ton of people around. So it hasn't really been right. that crazy of an adjustment for me, but I know for some people it has. And, you know, I, I yeah. will admit I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little sick of it, but Hey, you know, me too. <laughs> yeah, dude, me too. I mean, it's, it's not like I want to go anywhere, but the fact that I can't go anywhere is just kind of getting to me. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And you know, yeah. we, we all see people just being Idiots and acting like the shit's done. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, <laughs> that's the big problem. <laughs> <laughs> the the number one problem for sure. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, to anyone that doesn't know John Contino, the reason I wanted to have him on the podcast uh, is one, John is one of my favorite designers. Two, John loves The Simpsons, and three, you put together a fantastic book 
uh, called Brand by Hand a couple years ago that's given me a lot of personal inspiration uh, in my daily work. And uh, I want to know, how would you explain uh, or describe Brand by Hand to someone uh, that hadn't seen it? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, So uh, I I spent a lot of time designing book covers and stuff years ago, and I ended up becoming really friendly with a guy named John Gall. Um, I forget which publisher he was working at at the time, but he went over to Abrams, um, and Abrams does a, a ton, a ton of cool, cool books. Um, and he was like, Hey, he was like, do you want to do a book? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'd love to do a book. Like that's been like my life goal to do a book. But for designers, like generally you get to do a book when you're dead, you know, or when you're like 75. Um, so I was just like, yeah, dude, I would love it. But like when, you know, it's cut, you know, it, the, the, the way, the way that that kind of like traditionally works is like you do like your life's work collection at the end, you know, and he was like, sure. no, he's like, I think it would be cool if you could do volumes of your work, you know, every five years, every 10 years, something like that. He's like, this would be a great way to start it. And I, I yeah, I was like, yeah, definitely. But then it was just like, well, who does it? How do you do it? What do you do? He was <laughs> like, well, we could do it or you can do it or whatever. And then it's just like <laughs> the whole thing. It was just like, do I talk about myself? Does someone write about it? Like, how do you even do that? And he was like, he was like, no, man. He's like, why don't you just make it kind of like journalistic. He's like, talk about the things that inspire you. Talk about like how the whole thing works. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to do, you know, my story of like how I started, how I got to where I am, blah, blah, blah. So my idea was to just like cram like, you know, over 20 years worth of work into a book until I started gathering all this shit. And you don't realize like how much stuff you actually churn out when you're just working. So it was like the majority, I spent like a year just like going through all of my work and trying to narrow down what could fit into 300 pages. So basically what I ended up doing was, you know, breaking it up into like a chapters of, of stuff that inspires me. So like baseball, horror movies, hardcore music, stuff like that, where it's just like all the things that have had like a, like a creative impact on my life and, and broke them up. And then, and then kind of just like picked like handpicked projects that fell within those categories or was inspired by those categories and then just dumped them in there. So the chapters got like a little bit of an opening of, you know, kind of like a, a, a short story of how this particular thing in, you know, had an effect on me and then right. a bunch of stuff that shows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's one of the best, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just saying this to blow you up, John, but it's one of the best looking books I've ever <laughs> seen. You. And, <laughs> and, you know, as a, as a collector of Simpson stuff, there, that's, uh, there were a few books made in the late nineties, early two thousands about Simpsons collecting. And, right. uh, one of my goals, uh, throughout this whole process, you know, not to spoil anything for my listeners, but is to eventually do another book about Simpsons collecting sort of updated for modern times. And I got to say, uh, brand by hand just stylistically is such. Uh, an inspiration for my ideas moving forward on that. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's the best thing I could ask for <laughs> <laughs> you and everyone that, I mean, anyone that worked on it, I mean, the black pages, you know, just the way every yeah. detail of the book is, is truly, truly great. So anyone that's listening to this, uh, you know, 
you have to get the book. Like, I, just go ahead and stop this episode if you're not getting the book right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Everyone should get the book. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So, you, you, you talk in the book about how, as a kid, uh, you, you know, you were constantly surveying the room and really taking in everything from books on the shelf, things on the television. Yeah. Uh, you know, w- when did you realize that art was, you know, something that you could actually do for a, a career? Oh, man. It's so funny, too, because, like, I come from a very creative family and art was something that I always did, you know, and, and my mother was an artist. My grandmother was an artist. My father is a carpenter. Like my, my grandfather is an engineer. Like we, we had a lot of creativity and a lot of cool stuff in the family, but you know, I, I drew a lot and then I stopped drawing for a little bit and then I got really into sports and then, you know, teenage years kind of, you know, and all this stuff kind of like bounces around and you lose sight of things that you really enjoyed as a kid. Sure. And then, um, and then I kind of discovered, then I started playing the drums and I discovered hardcore. And a couple of friends of mine and I, we started, you know, making up bands and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, we'll make a demo tape. What's the cover going to be? And that is kind of like when everything kind of clicked back. And I was like, wait, I know how to draw. I'll do that, you know? And uh, I, st- I just started doing that. And then I started getting involved with designing and stuff for hardcore bands and doing show flyers and t-shirts and demo covers. And eventually, since it was like the mid-90s, like websites, because no one knew what a website was, but everyone <laughs> kind of wanted one, you know? Yeah. So I taught myself how to build websites and I started doing that. And that's kind of, that was my gateway. So everything that I did was just like, that's how I started to make money. I started doing it in high school. So I would build websites for people and charge them. And that was like, it was my thing. And, and that was kind of where it all started. And it, I never stopped from there. So it was like my first paying job. I was, well, my first real paying job was I was like 12, 12 years old or something. Someone paid me like 25 bucks to design an ad for the newspaper. <laughs> and then, and then my next real paying job was a $400 website. Ooh. Yeah, dude. I was like rich for years after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, $400, man. That's a, especially if you're new to the game, that's like, yo, that's a nice little check. I'll take it. It went a long way and I didn't have a car yet. So I was like so rich. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I, so I obviously, uh, not anywhere near the level that you do, but in the industry that I work, I do, you know, I'm, I'm always on Photoshop. I'm always designing to some extent yeah. and even, you know, stuff for the podcast. I'm, I'm always, you know, dabbling around. I'm always curious when I talk to other people that, that work on any level in that world, you know, what is something that you, you know, that you're hard on yourself about when it comes to design? What is, what is one thing that you feel like you constantly worry about? It's, it's always, a- am I doing something creative enough that's worth ever remembering you know like is it is it it, can you make something that people will want to go back to you know and it's like you you, sometimes you sometimes you hit a sweet spot and people love it and they talk about it for years and sometimes you think you hit a home run and nobody gives a shit (laughs) and it's just like there's really no right sometimes you can figure out the science if there's a trend happening or if there's something going on and you're kind of in the pocket sometimes you can kind of figure out this is going to kill this is going to kill this is going to kill and those moments are fleeting you know but what you really want to do is kind of create these things that last beyond trends and i'm always just trying to like figure out is this is this worthy of even being remembered past this particular moment so that's like 
every time I do something, I'm always just like killing myself over just like, is this even, because if it's not worth remembering, is it worth doing at all? Right. You know, and then I'm like, am I wasting my time? Am I wasting other people's time? Am I wasting money? Am I, you know, like, what is this worth anything? And it's just like constantly the struggle of like, what is the value of what I'm doing? You know, so that, that's probably, that's probably the toughest thing to deal with, with the, and, and it's like, it's, so, it's, it's the best place to be because it's, you just get to be creative all day, you know? So it's like, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be a complaint, but like, <laughs> if you're in that bubble and you're stressing it, like everything else kind of goes away and you're just, just like, you got like this crushing, like, ah, uh, <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've had people disagree with me, but I always have felt like it's, it's better to question the stuff you're working on. Like, on some level, like if you're not, you know, I'm not saying you should be too hard on yourself or doubt the right. things you're doing, but if you're not like, you know, if you, if you do something and everything you do, you're like, ah, oh, it's perfect. It's great. I'm, I'm wonderful. Then yeah, I, I feel yeah. like you're, you're, you're messing up in some other way there. So. Oh, dude, it's so funny. We, I, I was talking about this the other day. The, the, whenever I finish a project, the, 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 the tests that I, that I always give it is I, I think to myself, if I were to release this right now and I put it on the internet, how will internet trolls treat it? <laughs> How will they rip me apart? So I always try to like finish and then take the mindset of, a, of a, like an internet asshole and think about how I would rip it apart. And if I can get to the point where I'm like, I don't know how one of these guys can can pull this to shreds, then I feel like I'm in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny that I actually really relate to because I think anyone <laughs> anyone who's ever done a podcast or had a you know a social media account. Uh, that they that they really pay attention to, uh, it, it, you know. I I have a very unpopular opinion compared to a lot <laughs> of Simpsons fans, which is I love current Simpsons, and I think that there's yeah, yeah. good good episodes in every you know even the quote unquote bad seasons. And so I went into yeah. this podcast knowing that there were going to be some people that were like, "Yo, fuck this guy!" Like, <laughs> like the, the Simpsons stopped being good at this point, and who does this asshole yeah. think he is? So. You know, I totally relate to being like, well, people are either going to really hate my me for being honest or they're going to yeah, fucking, yeah. you know, maybe <laughs> listen to me and take that into account. So who knows? <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. It's such a – and I, I know that like people from our generation that grew up with The Simpsons, everybody has like their own stopping point yeah. of like – but it, it has – I think, you know, the, the, the problem is, is I think we all – hit a certain point where we had to become adults yeah and there's certain stuff that kind of you had to leave behind and it's not because you wanted to it's just because like i gotta work on sunday night or i gotta do this or i gotta do that and you kind of miss it and you lose the flow and then by the time you're able to jump back into it you're like this isn't the show i know right you know and i think I, for me anyway that's what happened to me i started working I came back to it and I was like, I don't even know what the hell's going. The tone is different. Everything, <laughs> the animation looks different. Everything just felt different, you know. Right. And then I, I had that too, and it, it, unfortunately, it lost me. But then, you know, I always go back and I'm like, oh yeah. And then I feel like I'm eight years old again, or I'm right. ten or twelve years old again, you know. Right. And and that's you know, if there's one thing uh, that I challenge people to do with this podcast, it's you know, go to some of the seasons that you have been told are bad for your whole life. And, yeah. and just watch them. And I always say, yeah. like, you know, if you if you think an episode sucks, watch the next episode. Comedy, especially in the early 2000s, was going through a very weird time. <laughs> yes. And uh, I yes. think you have to just sort of roll through that. And I, and I think you get into some really great stuff if you're just patient. So there's a reason it's yeah. still on. I always say that. But dude, absolutely. I mean, it's it's I mean, it 
for a minute there, it was perfect. And I think the, even at its lowest point, it it never fell far enough away from perfect to be ever bad. Right. You know, so you can't – like it was too high up that even at its worst points, it was still better than most things. It was still smoking you know? a lot of other television. Yeah. Exactly. So it's so hard to just be like, well, it sucks now. It doesn't suck now. It's just maybe not as good as the perfect point, but it's still light years ahead of everything else. Yeah. How you know? how could anything be? That's what I always say. Like right. if you take right. if you take The Simpsons in its golden age, nothing, yeah. even The Simpsons, might not be able to get to the top of that mountain again. I mean, it's just it's uh right. It's a very special thing. Well, you know, we're gonna talk more about Simpsons, but I don't want to get off John just yet. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, so so you've done stuff for the NFL, Nike, Hulu, so many different things. And while it's all super unique, you ha- it all has that distinct John Cantino style. Uh, how important do you think it is to know what your style is? You know, I feel like a lot of people have a very weird relationship with style. Some people desperately try to find a style. Other people desperately try to avoid a style. For me, I never really cared so much about what my style was. I just, I would always see things and I would want to get better. You know, I would see other artists and be like, I wish I could do that or I wish I could do this. And it, I never tried to work in a style. I just had a style. It was just a way that I did things. And it kind of, it, it took me a little bit of time to recognize that. But as soon as I kind of recognized that I just did things, like I always kind of thought that they were, negatives you know it's like why can't i do it like this artist you know i'm stuck with these particular ways that i make things i want to make it like that person makes it and then i kind of realized that i'm lucky that i'm able to be you know to do thing do things in that one particular way because it's just who i am and it's my style and then i kind of had to figure out how to embrace it and and kind of use it to my advantage and and when i did that it changed everything and then all of a sudden People hiring me for my style and people want the John Contino look and all this kind of stuff. And it just turned into like a thing. And it, it, it's just like, oh, shit, if I could have just been myself this whole time, maybe I'd be in an even better place now than I am, you know? And it, it's just – it's so hard to, you know, when you go through – you know, when you're a teenager and then you go through college and you, you, you have like just general self-doubt and then you compound that with just – creating things that people are going to criticize on top of that. And then you're criticizing it for all these other reasons. It's just like, again, it's like, why try? You know, like all you're doing is making yourself feel bad. But then you realize that these are the things that make you special and they make you unique and that you should embrace them. And as soon as you embrace them, you feel confident in them because then it's just, they're not a downfall. Now they're a weapon. You know, and it's it, as soon as I realized that it it really it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly said. And I really, you know, anyone that needs like a reason uh, to not be, you know, bogged down in this moment in the world that we're in, just listen to my man John here. This is some inspirational <laughs> words, and I'm really, you know, I, I really, I mean it. It's it's well said, and it's it's well taken as anyone. I think anyone in any sort of creative field should take that advice. It's really it's good. Thanks, thanks, man. It's um, you know, it, it's. I, I try I try to share it as much as I can because it's like it seems like it's like a like a duh moment, but at the same time, like you can't just tell somebody that and then they they go, oh yeah, 
you know, I hate this about me, but I'm going to use it because you're just like, <laughs> I still hate it, you know? <laughs> 100%. 100%.Well, you know, speaking of style, uh, you know, The Simpsons is really known uh, for its style and its standout colors, you know, very unique art style that it has. As a designer, how do you think the overall look of the show made an impact? Like, what do you think its impact is? One of my favorite things and probably why it was such a big influence on me is because it's it's just wrong, you know? Like, it, it, there's so many things about it. Like, so I, I grew up watching it on the Tracy Ullman show, too. So that was – I used to watch it with my parents when it was just the shorts. And I remember being a kid and just kind of like – I just I just loved it. It was very simple. It was very raw. Um, and even as it matured, it was still, you know – Everybody's yellow. They have the big overbites, you know, like the round teeth, <laughs> you know, like all the pink houses. It, all, all this stuff was just like, it was just wrong. And it was unapologetically wrong. And there was just like, you accept it or you don't accept it. Like this is, this is the universe and this is, this is it. And, and they are all comfortable in that universe. If you're not comfortable, it's because you have a problem with yourself, <laughs> not because that there's anything wrong with that. And I think I, I just, I loved it so much. And I think that's what kind of like made it pop for so many people is that it was just this, you know, it, it, it wasn't, even though, you know, it had to like kind of like find its voice from a, like a narrative standpoint, I think. Right. But stylistically, it was always there. It was there since day one. There was never any question as to what the style of the show was or, or how, um, you know, what, what the concept of, of this, just like aesthetic was. And, and I think it's, it's nice when you can go into something that confidently. No one really questions it. You know, like I remember as a kid, like people were like, oh, that looks stupid or this or that or whatever. Um, but you know, it, it just, it was what it was. And that's, you know, they never changed it besides like as technology got better, the animation got smoother, but it never really, it, you know, they never got more anatomically correct or no. anything like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, and I've talked to a lot of people, uh, even other designers that have said like, yeah, I think The Simpsons was one of the first times I realized that like colors could just be wrong. And yeah. that, that's like, you know, yeah. and I think that it's really incredible that, you know, Matt Groening had this really bizarre art style in the first place, you know, from his, from his comic strip and all this stuff. But the fact that they really saw, you know, a way to keep his vision into the show, even as it went beyond that. And they, you know, the blue hair, like you said, the yep. pink walls, the corn cobs on the curtains, like there's all these things that just really make it stand out. Like you can say that early cartoons, you know, even Bugs Bunny and, and the classics, they had really interesting colors, but the Simpsons, like everything is, is an odd color. Everything is a color that you would never pick out of a lineup to make the yeah. wall, to make the bed, to make the carpet. And, you know, I think even, you know, even though the humor to me is timeless, I think the visual and, you know, we'll get to this later, but the that's what makes the merchandise from those early years so incredible. It's just absolutely these colors that make I, no sense. I'll tell you, man, my my most prized possession as a kid was my um, was my Bartman T-shirt. <laughs> and it was just like having having Bart with the mask on with the cape and then that 3D type above him. Hands down, my favorite thing in my childhood. Yeah. I just, I just loved it. And the 3D type, which is funny, you know, being that I've done so much lettering in my <laughs> life at this point, was such a, like, I used to draw that over and over and over again. And I actually just forgot, I forgot about that until just now. I was like, holy shit, I forgot about Bartman. It was like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> 
Yeah. So a thing about that shirt too, that I, you know, anyone listening, I wonder if people realize this, that was one of the first drawings. That was like one of the first shirts, which is why it's dated 89 and not 90. So the Bartman tee was like crazy early and, you know, they had plans for Bartman, like Bartman was going to be a whole thing and it never really (laughs) happened. But to this day, they still make Bartman merch. And I think it's some of the coolest shit that they ever did in merchandising period. So it is, it is so cool. I didn't know that about that, but I remember as a kid, they were pushing it really hard yeah. and it was always like Bartman, Bartman, Bartman. And they, you know, like the episode when he jumps over the gorge on the skateboard <laughs> or whatever, like I always wanted more of that. And then it never really came, yeah. you know? And I was like, where's Bartman? <laughs> <laughs> I know Bartman. And, and, you know, we got him in the comics a little bit and we got like a yeah. joker there, but yeah, I, I always wanted a little more Bartman and just a little, just, just, a, a, little. just a little more, which is why I love that. There's only, I think the only time you really, uh, where there's like a, a straight up reference to him in the show, Bart goes to a convention dressed as him, and they're like, "Oh, I don't." They're like, "Yeah, we don't know who you are. Get out of here," you know. So I, I think that's a really. I would love to know what they actually thought was going to happen with Bartman, but I guess we'll never. I guess we'll never know. I guess it's like you know when you when you think back to the moment when you first saw Bartman, and as a kid, you're just like you you kind of identify with it because it's like a real like like cheap batman knockoff <laughs> but he's like still gen x and on a skateboard and all this kind of stuff and you're just like I- i'm down with this you know but like as an adult looking from you know maybe from the writer's room perspective what do you do with that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah do you get more like an alter ego where he's like yeah. a superhero yeah there's really no but i mean that's another thing and this is something i don't think i've talked about much on the podcast but if you look back to some of the original ideas that they had i mean they were going to give marge bunny ears under her hair all oh, this crazy <laughs> shit so there's you know i'm sure barman falls into that category but yeah, yeah i've always been a big fan of bartman and i will say to this day as a collector Bartman is one of the most frustrating things to look for because no matter what, your computer is always going to think you meant to type Batman. So I just, you know, that is a pain oh, in my. Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> you gotta oh, like, brutal. you gotta be like, no, no, no! I meant to type Bartman, so you gotta like do it twice. You know, that is that is like a pure autocorrect nightmare. One hundred percent. So I, I do want to know though. You talk, you know, you talked a little bit about watching it on Tracy Ullman with your parents and things like that, but. You know, aside from, you know, the, the occasional shirt and watching those early years, what is what is your personal history with it? Like, did you have a lot of friends that watched The Simpsons? Were you, you know, were you watching it a lot in the 90s? What was your relationship to that? It was um, – that that show was like my Bible. Like, it was church. Like, I never missed it every Sunday. Or what was like Thursday and then it was – Back to you know, Sunday, it bounced, yeah. It bounced around a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was it was like kind of the thing that I worshipped for the majority of my childhood. Um, it was, it was easy to draw, which I loved. And I used to draw it all the time. Bart especially, you know, um, it was, um, it was a type of humor that you didn't see anywhere else. And I think, especially for people of our generation, like the, like, I think the basis of all of our humor is just Simpsons jokes, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I think, you know, like it, like best episode ever or like whatever you want to say, like it's essentially just based off of a Simpsons joke that you heard. Um, like even, I think, you know, like even, you know, the little bit later on with the Conan O'Brien influence, like, you know, me and some close friends of mine, like our jokes were just Simpsons and Conan O'Brien jokes. Like that's, that's all that it was, you know? Um, and it hasn't changed now. And it's so funny. Like I still say shit like that now. And (laughs) 
I say I say stuff like that to my daughter. She has no idea what I'm talking about. You know, she thinks the Simpsons are like big city greens. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's 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 like I always say. Well, I've been saying this recently. I'm having this realization in my own life that I think a lot of us, you know, we sort of start off as Bart, and then you know, we sort of just slowly yeah. turn into Homer as we get older. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's That's a so it's a very bizarre it's a very bizarre <laughs> thing. But I mean, you know, I, I find that you relate to different characters as you age with the show. Like I, as an adult, people are shocked by this sometimes, but my favorite character is Lisa. But when I was a kid, Oh my yeah. God, like Bart was it like, you know, oh, oh smart yeah. enough to my teacher. Like, you know, he skateboarded like there was you couldn't, I understand why Bart mania was a real thing because yeah. who the fuck didn't want to be that. So he was so cool. Like, especially just cause he had the skateboard with him and he would just roll up on it so effortlessly. Cause if you've ever stood on a skateboard, it's not effortless. You have to try. <laughs> no, it's horrible. Yeah. The first time any kid gets on a skateboard, they bust their ass. Like, well, come it's on. Every time. And then especially rolling down the street, like at least in my neighborhood, I would always like roll down the street on the skateboard and it'd be bumpy and I'd hit rocks and all sorts of shit would happen, <laughs> you know? And he would just like shoot up, hit the hit the tail and it would just kick up and he would walk. I was like, that's so cool. It's so easy. Yeah. Bart's, you know? the, Bart's the coolest dude on earth, straight up to anyone. Um <laughs> So, you know, if we talk, you know, we talk about the merchandise and that's obviously like a, a big part of this podcast is a big part of my Instagram and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as someone who works on branding, when you look back on that merch, not just the the T-shirts, but just everything, the green and the pink, the white card backs, like all that early stuff from the beginning. Uh, you know, how does that original run of merchandise strike you now? Like, do, how do you view it as a, as someone who works in that industry? Man, it's... um. You know, I, I definitely have like kind of like the mainstays like burned into my skull. And then I remember like a lot of bootleg stuff. Yeah. Which looking back, I wish I cared more about because some of the bootleg stuff was really cool. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize it was cool because it wasn't official. So right. when I was a kid, if it wasn't real, I was like, man, forget that. But like <laughs> looking back on it, there was so many cool like knockoff bootleg Simpsons, Bartman, but whatever things. And – um. I kind of I kind of miss that a little bit. But um the thing the thing I mean th- from an aesthetic standpoint and from a professional aesthetic standpoint the thing that's so cool about all of the Simpsons stuff was back when they were hand drawing all the signs and all that kind of stuff. And I loved how all the signs had a joke but they were still very graphically designed at the right. same time. And I, I really I really liked that. So you know, not necessarily merchandise, but from a graphic design standpoint, that's where I was always drawn to, you know. And then from like a merchandise standpoint, like I I didn't care. It was all cool to me as long <laughs> as it had a Simpsons character on it. I di- like I didn't even care if it was ugly or stupid or on a cheap piece of crap or whatever. I was just like, just give it to me. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's – I love that too because, you know, you talk about the bootlegs. I think something that, you know, I've learned over the course of this collection that I thought was super interesting is the fact that the reason you see so many bootleg shirts of Bart playing football and basketball and all this stuff yeah, is yeah. because they actually did license stuff like that super early on. Matt Groening had no clue that the show was going to go on for a long time, so he wanted to make right. money. So he's like, oh, you want to make an Iowa Hawkeyes shirt with Bart on it? Here, I'll sign that. <laughs> like, so uh, there was a lot of early merchandise that was official, so then – because of that, everyone else got the quick idea like, oh, we'll stand under the bridge and we'll sell these Oakland Raiders shirts. Yeah, and, you know, there's just yes. this insane amount of those bootlegs 
that are based off a real idea. So I think that's really, and the bootlegs go for a lot of money now. So you would have been smart to have, uh, <laughs> I guess I kick myself all the time when I think about it. And, and not even from like, not even from like the resale point of view, but from just like, I wish I had that now. Like I would frame that, you know, yeah. like I, if I had that still, I would, I would definitely frame it. Yeah. I, I, for a while was sort of collecting some of the bootlegs and I, I, I sold some a few years ago and I'm not exactly kicking myself, but I wish I had sort of held on to them. I definitely yeah. had like the San Francisco 49ers bootleg yeah. and some of the really yep. good ones. And, uh, you know, I was, I sold them to make some room in the, in the shirt drawer and I, I probably, I probably undersold myself a little bit. I should have held on. Yeah. To that <laughs> um, you know, so you, you said that you, uh, you know, you, you like to draw the Simpsons. How are you good at drawing the Simpsons? They're actually deceptively hard to draw. I think. Yeah, they were. I mean, at the time when I was a kid, I haven't drawn the Simpsons in a long time, but I de- there was two things that I would draw. I would draw the Simpsons logo. Because I was just obsessed with logos and stuff like that as a kid, um, and I, you know, it's so funny. If I think about logos that had a similar vibe that I would draw as a kid, it would be The Simpsons, Alice in Chains, and Silverchair, <laughs> and and I would draw them all the same way because they all kind of had like that very like ink splattery kind of you know off kilter handwritten effect to it. Oh yeah, and I used to love to draw them because I would draw like the, the each little you know little divot in the side of the letter and everything like that. So, um, it would be that. And then Bart, I would be, you know, just like so cliche as like a, you know, young kid. I just love drawing Bart. And then it was like the, in the kids, the kids in my class knew that I could draw him. I'm drawing Bart on the back of everybody's notebooks. So it was just like, <laughs> had a little business going. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I feel sorry for any kid that wasn't drawing Bart on their notebook, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. What, what kind of friends did you have if you weren't drawing Bart for your friends? And I, and I exactly. still to this day, uh, cannot draw a Bart that looks perfectly on model unless I really, really try. He's, he's harder to draw than, than people think. It, it was like, yeah, especially when you get to the mouth area and stuff to get the proportions just right. But it's so funny because I think I, – I can't remember exactly where this was, if it was uh, a book or maybe I, – I remember I used to take some art classes after school and they would teach you how to draw stuff. But I remember learning the nose – the eye, the the full circle eye, and then the semicircle eye that would connect from the eyeball to the nose, and then like for Homer, for example, or yeah, even Bart, forget it. You would just go up, and then it would be like that, 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 that. Too many spikes, and it's weird. Yep. Too little spikes, and it's, and I think I I feel like I saw a Matt Groening thing when I was a kid where he talked about how many spikes it was, and he had like a set number. Of, it was like yeah. thirteen spikes. No, it's, or something. it's it's nine. Yeah, it's nine. nine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so I, I remember, and it really like hit home. And then you, you would come straight down and make sure that ear was at a certain pitch to where the mouth was, or something like that. And that's how you got the proportions right. So I remember practicing drawing it and watching that, um, and just being like <laughs> obsessively trying to get it right. And it looked right enough. Yeah, but I don't. Who knows if it looked good? You know. <laughs> yeah, I, there there used to be a book. Well, there there is a book that came out yeah. in the '90s that was like a How to Draw the Simpsons. And if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bart, they would tell you to almost do like a soup can for his head as like, a, yeah. to sort of, to sort of like get the shape and then you do the eyes yeah. and, and all of that. And, and I think that that's cool too, because, you know, we talk about the amount of spikes and that's something that, uh, I've talked about once or twice, a lot of that early merch, he had eight and then sometimes he would have 10 and, oh, uh, and they say that like, you know, David Silverman, one of the main animators on the show came through 
and was like, hey, we need to like decide how many spikes this guy has because like, you know, it's always different. And so those little things and just like all these different people that drew them from early on from Matt to Wes Archer to David Silverman. I really love just how they all came together and just decided this like final version of them that they still. And that's why I think it's so funny. The animation got better, but they still look for the most part how they always have. And they almost look not good enough for how the animation is. And I think that's really special. It's so funny too, from like a branding perspective, it's, it's the, the stuff that I do all the time for my clients. Like you have to, put style guidelines together because you can't just have an iconic piece of artwork that's supposed to represent something and it looks different every time. It has to be exactly the same. It has to be used in the same manner every time. And if you if you skew from that, it's going to hurt the brand and it hurts the story, it hurts the narrative, it hurts the recognizability, the identity, the value in the identity, all that stuff. So it makes sense. I mean, it, it's... You know, as a kid, when I was thinking that, I was like, okay, that's the rule of how you draw a Bart, not knowing why, but like, yeah, if you didn't do that, imagine what the Simpsons would be like if they were drawn different every episode. No one would give a shit. No one would give a shit. You would lose people that way. You would. And, and I think, you know, uh, one, one episode, uh, that I always point people to when we talk, as far as merchandise, uh, was episode 14 when I had Bill Morrison on and Bill, uh, has drawn more Simpsons than probably anyone. Like he drew most of the merchandising packaging early on. He did, he worked on Bongo comics. He was, you know, one of the main people behind that. And I think it's really interesting hearing him say, you know, he's from like a Disney. He did a lot of art for Disney, like posters and stuff or in the eighties for him to talk about how hard the Simpsons are to draw. (laughs) I I think it's really funny because they seem, you know, like we're saying sort of simple, but they're not. But I love hearing how like, you know, they did eventually smooth some stuff out. And I, you know, I think we all miss that rough edge that some of the early stuff had, but you know, you yeah. can't keep that forever. I think if they still hand animated the show, they'd be years behind. So <laughs> it, yeah. And it, it's just so at, at some point you need to refine a little bit, you know, like it's, I, I get it, but it's, it also, I think helps keep the specialness of the early seasons. Yeah. That way, you know, because you, it's, it's got like, it, that's the whole punk rock part of the Simpsons, you know? And, and just like how you were saying, like everyone starts as a Bart and ends up as a Homer or whatever, <laughs> like even the show itself did, you know? So it's like, it, and I mean, shit, man. And when I was a kid, I remember thinking that the show was about Bart and then realizing as I got older, it's, it's Homer. It's all Homer, you know? <laughs> um, so it, every, everything makes sense. When you, when you think about it, you're just like, yeah. Like every choice is a good choice. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a fact. It's well said. It's a well said, John. I always, um, you know, I'm, I'm always telling people that. Of course, I realize that those early seasons are really special and they're untouchable. I think I don't think any show uh, can touch them. Maybe King of the Hill comes a little yeah. bit close, but I don't think any show can truly touch them. And you know, I think holding anything to that standard, it's a fool's errand, man. You'll never get you'll never get back there. So I think so too. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's it's um it it captured my attention the way that I can't you know like in my in my older age now like my wife and I will sit down and be like oh shit let's watch The Simpsons you know and then we'll rip through some episodes and then you know life takes over with kids and this and that whatever and you forget about it and then I I did start showing it to my older daughter and uh, she started liking it but she out of The Simpsons Futurama. And, you know, the whole Mac Graining world, she's obsessed with disenchantment. Yes. 
So she's all over that. So we watch Disenchantment together. She loves that. And then, you know, I try to throw in Futurama and The Simpsons, but I think I think Disenchantment has a little bit more of that modern edge that kind of grabs her a little bit more. And The Simpsons maybe feels more old-fashioned to her or something. I, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't have the same effect on her. You know, or maybe there's just too much. It, it like is a lot. Know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a lot. And I, I'm glad to hear you say that. I actually, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for disenchantment too. I know that some yeah. people, uh, that first season, they thought it was a little bit slow. And I'm, I was in that camp. I thought the first season was a little bit slow, but it yeah. really won me over by the end. And I think the last two parts that have come out have just been so good. And, it's uh, amazing. And, you know, people that don't know this, in my opinion, one of the greatest Simpsons writers ever is Josh Weinstein. And he's the showrunner of that show. So Josh knows what he's doing. And yeah, you got a lot of yeah. Bongo comics people working on those characters. It's a lot of Simpsons people making a, and a lot of Futurama people, a lot of great shit. Disenchantment's awesome. <laughs> I think the, the things that I think made the, the, the early Simpsons and, and especially early Futurama so good was the subtlety in the humor. Like there weren't, and I think maybe that's where The Simpsons lost me a little bit in like the early 2000s is when the family guy, like outrageousness kind of took over a little bit. Right. Um, and I, Disenchantment has that same kind of brilliant humor where it's just, it's so subtle that you can just miss it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so smart that you, you laugh, but you appreciate it more than you think it's funny because it's so funny. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really good. So you know, I think I, the episode that literally goes up as I'm recording this podcast, I talk about how good Disenchantment is, and I'm gonna just keep talking about it when I find an yeah. excuse to. It's really really good, dude. It's great. It's <laughs> great, and it, it's like the ca- I try to pick a favorite character on that show, and I can't because like in The Simpsons, you feel like maybe there's some filler characters in there, and even in Futurama, there's some filler characters because there's like wacky like aliens and stuff or whatever that kind of have to fill up the space and give the character <laughs> something to do but in disenchantment like literally every character is not a fill it's everyone has like such a like amazingly beautiful defined personality and they're all <laughs> so awesome you know yeah. like i'm just like oh man i like elfo no i you know i i like bean no i like lucy i was like no i like zog like you can't pick one because they're all even the the i mean this in the third season too the guy like the hear you hear you guy <laughs> he got really funny in the he third did. season <laughs> he did and I, i'm with you i mean i i sort of hated elfo at first and now i i fucking love elfo um, great. But but I, great. I think I'm t- I think Lucy is is my actual pick. But it's yeah. hard. It's so it's so hard. I love Zog's arc. You know, with the with needing the doll to process his emotions. She gets a little yeah. heavy. You know, I'm not going to spoil it anything. Does. But everyone watch Disenchantment. Um, but yeah. this is a Simpsons podcast, so I guess I'll <laughs> keep talking about the Simpsons. Um, so I've I've always found that you know I generally hit it off as as we see right here with you and I uh, a little different with someone who really likes the Simpsons. Uh, there's a, there's some sort of camaraderie that just sort of comes with a show like The Simpsons. Uh, has that been your experience? And if so, what, why do you think that is? Oh, a hundred percent. It's like, well, the best way the best way to, to the best way to kind of like describe the same type of thing was when I was going to college orientation. It was one of those things where it's just like I know I'm gonna be, you know, like I I I'm gonna be alone in this. I'm gonna have to try to make friends. So my idea was to wear the shirt of a hardcore band that I liked. Right. And if someone knew the band or recognized that it was a hardcore band, I would have someone to talk to immediately. 
and maybe we wouldn't get along that well, but we would at least have stuff to talk about. And I think with The Simpsons, it's the same thing because there's like it, – it's such a um, a visceral kind of reaction to someone who loves The Simpsons as much as you. There's so much to talk about. You just, just like – you could talk about the stuff you love. You could talk about the stuff you hate. You could talk about what they should have done, why they didn't do this, the stuff that you had, the stuff that you used to trade when you were a kid, all <laughs> these different types of things. Like I remember when I was a kid, we used to have like these flea markets in elementary school and all I used to do was take the stuff that I brought in to sell and trade it for Simpsons stuff. So like I never actually <laughs> sold anything. I would just come home with more Simpsons shit <laughs> and my mom would be like, where'd you get that? I'd be like, I did some trading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the move. I, I mean, I yeah. don't know why. I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I've had other people on the podcast make this point that you can't say that for other shows that are good even. Like sometimes no. you can, but The Simpsons is is something that you either get it or you don't. And I think that really does make people get along. It's a weird phenomenon that I just see more and more as I have people like you on the podcast. So there you go. It's it's kind of a cultural touchstone for people of a certain generation. Like like everything kind of revolved around The Simpsons. For me, you know, especially kind of like in the Who Shot Mr. Burns era, oh, yeah. that was just like so peak Simpsons saturation for every kid that I knew. Like it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl or if, where you were from or it, it just – it was like all Simpsons. Everything revolved around the Simpsons. It was life and then there was just like the Simpsons was the constant for everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One hundred percent. It's uh, and and I love when anyone brings up who shot Mr. Burns. I think yeah. I think that's actually become my. Ah, I'm not even going to go down this rabbit hole. I was going to say I think it's my favorite, ep- but it's not. Uh, but it's up there. It's in the top five, whatever. But I put them both together. Um, yeah. So so speaking of favorites, we're going to go into what I call uh, the big three. And I need, I really need to come up with some sort of jingle for this because I'm always just yeah, sort of rolling in. I need a jingle for the big three. Uh, so who is your favorite character, John, and why? I like um, I like Mo a lot. And I love Mo because he is just he he he's just such the most like obnoxious New York character, <laughs> you know, which is really funny considering it's just like uh, you know question mark Springfield or whatever. But like he's he's so short fused, and I, I just love how he just like is set off so easily. And I like the like like when he had like you know Unky Mo's family feed bag, you know the whole <laughs> like the way he just like would get set off. I just, I like <laughs> my, my, when I first got a cell, well, not my first cell phone, but one of my first cell phones that could have like a ringtone was, ow, my freaking ears. From my, you know, <laughs> I would just, I would, and I would just, whenever someone would call me, I would just let that play because I just loved that whole episode was just so great. But I would say, you know, outside of kind of like the obvious, like, you know, Homer's great and I love a good Homer episode or whatever. Right. And a good Bard episode, especially a good early Bard episodes are so good. Um, but like Mo is like a standard classic, like never fails you. You, know? you. You are. It's so funny. Uh, my friend Botter, shout out to Botter, just said the same thing about Mo. He's like, I honestly relate to Mo so much because he just hates stupid people. He just has no yeah, time yeah. for anyone's bullshit. And I really, it's true. I love that. That's really I love good. It. And I love like how he would do like um, the, the episode. I think it's the episode when uh, like the X-Files-ish episode when uh, um, Homer thinks like, 
the who is like this like the CIA or whatever, you know, like Fox and Mulder come in <laughs> and like and and he's just like, Oh, we gotta get the whale out of there because he's he's like trading whales or something in the back <laughs> of the, the bar. <laughs> yeah, Mo is such a complicated character. I I, I so good. we've had so much Mo over the years, but there's still so much that I don't understand about about yeah. Mo. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. great. Okay, so question number two of the big three is what is your favorite season? Do you know? You know, I was doing a little refresher because I was just like, what is my favorite season? Because if you ask anybody of a certain time period, you know, like, you know, I assume we're probably close in age. Um, but like everyone always says it's, you know, seasons like four through ten are like the golden era. That's right. kind of like the general, you know, thought amongst even like, you know, like my friends. Um and I was just like, well, I don't know, man. I used to love him when it first started and blah, blah, blah. But I started going through it. And Who Shot Mr. Burns is really where it kicks off my favorite sets of episodes. And then I started looking in season six. And I was like, oh, season six. But then I looked at season seven. Season seven has like the, the longest stretch of my favorite episodes. And I think that's where it really – lands and it culminates with the last episode which is my absolute favorite of all time um when they go to the flanders beach house yes and i just like i love it because it was something i used to love doing as a kid was going to a beach house in the summer i used to love that kind of like leaving your home and kind of like recreating yourself at the beach oh, yeah. for like other kids to try and make <laughs> friends with. It like spoke so much to me. And then there was like the classic jokes, like the, like non, I, that episode alone has so many, like, he's like, Oh, it looks just like you Poindexter. Or it's like, it's Lisa. And she looks like blossom, like so many classic one liners. Uh, that is, like maybe my favorite episode of anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite joke in that entire episode is when Bart hears Lisa using his catchphrases from across the <laughs> Man, I, like that is the most – God, I have not I, – I actually haven't thought about that in, in a minute. That is so, so goddamn good. funny. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so goddamn funny. Um, and then Bart tries to roll up and impress them and he just looks like an idiot. He like, you know, buzz, yeah. so Yeah, good. they're like, oh, man, he's trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a as a huge fan of Lisa, um, you know, I've I've had Yardley, the voice of Lisa on the podcast a couple of times. She's amazing. Amazing. Um, and she I, I I just think she is Lisa in a way, and her yeah. the way she connects to that character is a really special thing. So I, I think Lisa, uh more than any other character, maybe Marge is up there too, uh, has really like gained appreciation in recent years for how de- deep they actually are. So I Marge actually that. has a lot of really good one-liners too, <laughs> yeah. and it's just, like it's it, it, more so ones that I understand more as an adult than I did as a kid. And like when I watch them now, I'm just like, "Damn, Marge!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I'm gonna say this until I just will it into existence, but. Talking to Julie Kavner is like the goal of my life with this podcast. I have to speak to her. I have to. I love her so much. She's like my second mom. Uh, She's (laughs) amazing. Her delivery is untouchable. She's amazing. Um, So perfect. So perfect. So, you know, in that same vein, question three, uh, do you have an all-time favorite episode? It sounds like you might, but what are a few of your favorites? I'll take any of that. Oh, man. You know, there's like, okay, so that, that one's my favorite. I mean, there's so many of the early Treehouse of Horrors were great. Um, I think, 
Oh man, when it, the the one when Homer gets the pile of sugar, I just absolutely <laughs> love because there's like you know when he pulls the guy out, he's it, when he's like a uh, no when he's falling asleep and he's like first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the like so many good one liners. Um, the the pool episode when they get the pool is so good. Um, damn man, I could like I think those are all basically like season six and seven yeah. episodes. The, the X Files one is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, I it's it, it's so hard to pick just one. I mean, even the one where it's like twenty two short stories about Springfield. Yep, such a good one. It's just um, and then and then one that's like holds a really special place in my heart. So pre DVD days, um. My family used to have a house in upstate New York that my grandparents built in like the 70s or something. Oh, wow. So we would go up there um, on the weekends or in the summertime or something like that. And there was no TV reception. It got like, it got like channel two sometimes, it was like, <laughs> which was CBS. And it's like, what is there for a kid to watch on CBS <laughs> in like 1990? You know? So when, when I was a kid, I used to get the, get the VCR and I would, sit there when they would have the Simpsons reruns and I would put the VCR in and I would pause it during commercials and unpause it when the commercial end and I would create these these you know lengthy VHS tapes of just master Simpsons tapes. episodes <laughs> yeah master tapes un you know uninterrupted by commercials or whatever and I would bring them up and I would watch them and the first one on one of my tapes was the one when Homer does the chili cook off <laughs> and I watched that episode so many times like it's not even one of my favorites, but it's also so good at the same time. But it just like it, – it feels like it's – it's got like that warm blanket feeling to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it – whenever I had like stress or anxiety or whatever, I would always watch that and I, it would just like get me in that place of like comfort, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I, I like that and I relate to that because, uh, you know, you mentioned the pool episode, which is actually – Bart of Darkness, and people always yes. ask me. Yes, yes. People Duh. always <laughs> ask me why that is my name, and the only reason it's my name is when I started this collection and I decided to start an Instagram for it. I was like, "Well, season six is my favorite season, and mm-hmm. you know, I I think Bart of Darkness is one of the most interesting uh, introductions to a season because it's you know it's in the summer, it feels different, it's like a yeah. it's a different vibe than a lot of the episodes, and so yeah. I was like, you know, favorite season episode one, that'll just be my name, and it just sort of caught on. Um, so I, that one holds a special place in my heart as one I saw a ton and it always felt different. Uh, so I can definitely feel you on that. (laughs) What a, what a great episode that is too, man. Like the, the Simpsons summer episodes in particular were so, I think so important because it felt very much like being a kid, not being in school and just like, just relishing in total enjoyment, you know, it, there was nothing to, you didn't have to think about even them in school. They're on summer vacation. You're on summer vacation. It's just like total chill, relaxation, <laughs> loving everything about life in that moment, you know? So good. And and, and what's funny about it is like, I, I thought it made a good screen name, but it's actually a, not a very clever name. <laughs> right? <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything, um, but there you go. It's my fucking, it's, I'm, I'm going to keep it forever. Uh, maybe one day they'll verify me, and I'm just gonna keep it forever. <laughs> I'm not complaining, man. You you go with that as long as you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. Um, so uh, you know, as I get when I get towards the end of these episodes, I uh, I like to talk a little bit about the collection. It's obviously a you know, like I said earlier, it's a big part of why I even started this podcast in the first place. Um, you know, you said you used to trade for a lot of Simpson stuff, and you had like random stuff as a kid. Um, yeah. 
did, you know, what was, uh, what was your relationship to the merchandise? I know you, did you, did you keep it or was it just something you liked? Is most of it gone? What is, what happened to it? I think, I think most of it's gone and I don't know what happened to it. It, it was in my, in my, in my younger years, my favorites were my Ghostbusters toys and my Simpsons toys. And I, ah, shit, I don't know where any of them are. <laughs> I've moved so many times since then. It's, right. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard to say, but. I think I, from what I remember, I feel like when I think about Simpsons toys and I think about my favorite one, I think it was actually a small plastic Bart figure that had a skateboard with him mm-hmm. as an accessory. Yep. And I, I'm pretty sure that was like the crown jewel of, you know, fifth grade or whatever it was <laughs> when, when, and when that came out. And that was like the greatest thing in the world. Um, I don't really remember many other toys that I had. I that one was just like that was like the one, I think. And I don't think I needed any other toys because I just had I just had the Bart and that's all I really needed. You <laughs> yeah, know? I, I think I think you're talking about the the Mattel Bart. He had like the little thing in his head where you put a word bubble. He had like an orange shirt on. It, yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. Yep, that might have been it. Yep, yep, yep. That's the classic. Yeah. I love him. It was yeah, and it, I think that's what it was. I think it was the classic. I think it was the one that everyone wanted. Yeah, and that 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 was yeah for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, anyone that watches the show as a kid, I mean, they, I'm sure I'm always curious because people, as far as I mean, myself included, I didn't keep any of the Simpsons stuff from when I was a kid. I mean, I see photos yeah. of me, you know, wearing pajamas and holding bar yeah. toys and stuff, and all that stuff's long, long gone. Uh, so, right. you know, I don't expect most people to have kept it. Uh, a lot of people assume that some of this stuff is stuff I've had since then, but I, if only, I wish I had kept it that long. <laughs> I, dude, I know, I know. There's so many like of like old toys where I'm like, now that I have a home and I have a place to put things, I wish I still had them to like put them up on shelves or, <laughs> you know, something, you know. And, and I remember one of the things that I had, which I would, I kind of wish I still had, was a poster of the, of the Simpsons on the back of my bedroom door. And it was just the family standing there, and it, it was a word bubble from Homer, I think it said. And it says, as far as anyone knows, we're a nice, normal family or yes, something like that. Yes, And that was – I loved it. It was just simple, to the point, you know, no frills. And I think there was one other one too where it was literally an illustration of every single character in Springfield. Yep. That was the other one too. Those yep. were like the, those were those were really awesome. Those those two. Yeah, a little a little tidbit about the one of everyone in Springfield. I'll just drop a little trivia. Bill Morrison drew that, and he accidentally drew one guy twice. So anyone that has that poster, go look at that oh, fucking poster really? and try to find the guy he drew twice. It's, oh, it's a that's fun, awesome! It's a fun exercise. <laughs> you know, and and I'll just say like that th- that whole era of animation, illustration, style, whatever you want to call it, design even, is so it, – it's just – it's such a, um, a, a – like a monument to kind of like a creative success. And I think about The Simpsons. I think about Beavis and Butthead. I think about Ren and Stimpy. Yep. And just like what – and, you know, those are all generally within, you know, five-ish years of each other, I'd say, is, is kind of fair. Um, talk about like – what what an influence to grow up with, you know? Like, I, I I wish like my daughter had stuff of that magnitude, you know, so creative, so adult, yep. you know, where to the point of like parents didn't know what you were watching because that kind of <laughs> shit didn't exist. Nope. And then you're watching it, and you have like you know Ren and Stimpy with the you know with like the nipple salesman, and you know like. <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life with Choky Chicken and like all these different things where, you know, like 
Bart Simpson saying like go to hell or I don't give a damn or whatever yeah. he was saying and like all this like influential adult things for kids that parents didn't even know about and then of course like Beavis and Butthead with the chainsaw and fire fire and all yep. that kind of shit where it was like all this stuff should be banned and what does it mean and how what is corrupting our children but like every single one of those things um is just like pure like like unadulterated like immature mature creativity in a way that it just doesn't it's it's so hard to capture again right now you know because it was like that time period of like crossing over from like you know you have you know that that older generation where everything you know when i think about my grandparents and the generation that they were and you know the greatest generation everything was dignity dignity and stuff like that and you know it was like very clean cut type of thing right and then right smack dab in the middle of like generation x of like apathy and like nobody gives a shit about anything and like the weird clash of all those things together it just it meant so much and it was they're cartoons but like it has such meaning and has such value and has such influence i think on so many people across the board from like you know aged you know, 35 to 50 or something. You know what I mean? 100%. And I, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I, one, one thing that I like to always talk to people about, and you sort of just touched on it is I'm always really curious what role those things played in someone's creativity. I mean, part of the reason that I started this podcast outside of just, you know, talking to people about the Simpsons or people from the Simpsons is talking to creative people like you, John, and finding out, you know, do you think that that had a real impact on you and what you do now? And I, it seems like it totally did, whether it was subconscious or not. And I think that's really cool. Dude, it's – it's when I – so the the Simpsons would basically be the holy grail of everything, right? It's it's raw. It's unfiltered. It's smart. It's funny. Um, at times, it's like really introspective. It does it all. And then and then to me, it was just kind of like all the other things that were kind of like the peripherals, the – the style of Ren and Stimpy, the gross out of Ren and Stimpy, the, you know, like the, the idiocy of Beavis and Butthead <laughs> mixed with like heavy metal, yeah. you know, like the squiggle vision and then even stuff like liquid television, yep. s- you know, st- stick, you know, stick figure theater and, <laughs> you know, the head and, and all those like MTV cartoons and stuff that was around and uh, all that stuff. It was just like that kind of like indie ish style right. cartoon, but it was still mainstream at the same time. Like, when when you're you know 10 11 12 13 years old you don't really kind of have access to whatever is indie until you kind of get to that point where you can go to a show or go to a record store or do something where you can have time to explore and meet weird people and shit like that right um but those those things were kind of like that gateway into um something that someone of a certain type of creative influence would just soak up and just love it was like the back room of a video store felt like, you know, it was just like something that most people didn't want to go to or didn't want to explore. And especially, I think that's kind of like the parent type thing, you know, like I, eventually my parents warmed up to it, but I remember I used to watch Simpsons all the time and they would just be like, Oh, this again, you know, but like, it's so it's, and then to think about me now as a parent of kids of the same age and then, you know, watching what my daughter puts on and we'll watch the same thing and we'll just both be into it because it's it has like that ability to hold on to that like youthful energy while still being mature and dealing with mature topics and subjects and stuff like that. 
and it's uh it, it one of the best one of the best uh things was like um the George Bush episode yeah. on the Simpsons where it's like literally taking a president and just and just fucking with him for the <laughs> whole episode and it's so it's just so cool to like look at turn it into like a Dennis the Menace type of thing and it's but it's it's like you know the leader of the free world and he he moves to Springfield for some reason you know <laughs> just yeah. like it's so cool to be able to see that you know juxtaposition and and look back on it and know that it has its claws in you and will they'll never go away. No, you know? never. And, and so you know, anyone listening to this, if you don't know by now, Simpsons is the greatest television show of all time. I'm going to fucking say it. <laughs> <forever>. <laughs> it's the greatest TV show of all time. I will never, I will never argue that. I might not watch it as much as I used to, but no one will ever argue with me that it's not the best television show ever. Cause it's just, it just is. Yeah. It just is. It just, it just <laughs> is. And, you know, I'm going to definitely, you know, be in your DMs, John, being like, yo, watch this episode from season 19. Watch this one from season 26. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with some, some heaters from the later seasons. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. And I'll, I'll get my daughter on and we'll do, we'll do a double team and we'll watch it together. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll indoctrinate her. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. John, I could literally talk to you all night. You're, you're, this has been awesome to just sort of pick your brain about your fantastic book, your design work, everything that you've done, hear your influence, you know, from a show like The Simpsons. It's been really cool, man. I really had a blast talking to you. Seriously. Yeah, dude, this was great. I'm so happy you asked me to do this. This is, I, I wish we could talk for like another six hours about this. <laughs> it's was, it was awesome. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely do another episode and I'll have you back on. We'll find like a cool, We'll find a cool uh, topic for another episode and I'll bring you back. Um, I mean, this is easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Well, speak, speaking of podcasts, you know, not only is John an awesome, incredible designer with a fantastic book, but he also has an awesome podcast called The Nose Nose. And uh, you should definitely be listening to that. Can you give an elevator pitch of that real quick, John? Yeah, it, um, it, 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 so a lot of, a lot of design podcasts are as boring as you think they might be. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I wanted to do, I wanted to do one where it was just like, we talk about like real things. So um, most of the podcast is me and, uh, the designer, uh, one of the designers that works for me and people write in and they ask questions about stuff. And it doesn't need to be like, I want it to feel like when you're sitting in, a studio or a shop or something and you're doing creative stuff but you're just bullshitting like my favorite thing is like when we when i used to ha- run an older studio me and my partner used to just leave back to the future looping <laughs> in the background and we would just comment on it and and repeat lines or we would we would have the burbs looping over and over again love the you burbs know, so it's so good um and so i just wanted it to kind of feel like that so we talk about like movies and he's a lot younger too so he doesn't know half the shit i talk about like the first like five episodes of me just like grilling him about Paulie Shore, you know? <laughs> but then, you know, we talk about like serious stuff like, uh, you know, how to deal with certain clients or how to deal with the business of design or how did you get through tough times? And then like goofball shit too, to kind of keep things light and even. And, uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of what the, what the show is all about. Yeah. You guys should be listening to that. And I'm serious. Everybody should get on Amazon or any pick a website that sells it and get brand by hand. It is a beautiful, hardbound book full of a lot of great stories and wonderful stuff from my man, John. 
And uh, that that needs to be on your coffee table at all times. Everyone listening. <laughs> yes, 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 totally. <laughs> Listen to this man. <laughs> well, before before we get out of here, John, do you have any do you have any shout outs? Tell people where to find you on social media, all that good stuff. Tell people to you know plug it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can, you can find me on Instagram or any any social media at John Contino, and that's John with no H because I'm efficient. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you could see you could see my studios work at Contino Studio. Com and if you're ever interested, you just just throw my name in Google and see what kind of stupid idiotic shit I've done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what's up. Everyone's doing that as we speak. Um, as for me, as for John, I'll see you guys next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than, or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.